Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Warrig Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis. I'm editor-in-chief of the E2C Network. We're here to talk about another Auburn Tigers win in men's basketball, this time continuing the streak over the Florida Gators. The Tigers win 76-62, to pushing their overall record to 16-6 and on the year, and finally getting over the hump in the SEC record column 5-4 to now for SEC play. We're going to talk about all the action, the news, and events from this game. To do that, I brought in my friend, co-host, and owner, operator of the Auburn Uniform Database, Mr. Clint Richardson. Buddy, it is good to finally be back on the positive side of the SEC record. Chomp, chomp. I knew you were having fun with the uh, student section there at the end of the game. I thought that was a nice touch on the jungles part was not just to give them the whole step, step, sit down thing, but also to do the gator chomp with it. I loved it. That was very well done. Can we say as the team goes, the game, so to speak, of the jungles like sarcasm and banter back with the opposing team goes? (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's nothing quite better than being front row in the jungle, Auburn doing fantastic, and getting in the head of an opponent. And just, gosh, I can't tell you how many times we got flipped off and cussed out. And and just getting in their head was the best thing in the world. And, you know, if, if Tennessee can get applauded for walking off the Gators court, chomping the fans, Auburn fans can enjoy the student session doing it to the Gators as well. I think Auburn fans clearly enjoyed this win just from the simple fact it was a win, but also because it was over the Florida Gators, and we do have you know history throughout all of college athletics with them. But even more so, this is a humongous historic win for Auburn in terms of perception, in terms of getting certain monkeys off of their back, so to speak, and kind of finally starting to put to bed the last, or what would maybe be the last of some of these long streaks that haven't happened, of of poor play for Auburn over the past couple of years. And to me tonight, that's what this game was about. It wasn't so much about getting in the positive column for SEC record. It wasn't about continuing the streak. It was about putting to bed the past for Auburn. And I felt like that's the message that Coach Pearl gave to the guys tonight because they really came out with a fire. Yeah, and that's something that he's kind of preached to this team, and he's not shied away from the history and the the bad history that Auburn basketball has seen over the years. You know, his first year on the Plains, he's celebrating the fact that Auburn actually won a game in the SEC tournament, let alone three, and made it to the semis. He knew that that was the first time since Chuck Person's time that Auburn had even done such a thing, and 
you know, you, you watch these clips of him after, you know, the Auburn Everyday series, and he's still well-versed on Auburn history, and kudos to, to Bruce for caring and to the, to the SIDs for providing that kind of history to him. And, I mean, I was shocked to see that Auburn hadn't beaten Florida at home in what, since 1999, and had only won once since then. I mean, that's that's a crazy stat, and it's it's really weird that Auburn and Florida honestly have just about as good of a rivalry as any other duo in the SEC. You know, take take Auburn and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia out. It's it's Auburn Florida very well could rival Auburn Tennessee, I think. Oh yeah, and that's the the case there. If you were to be able to play them a little bit more in football, uh, that would even be a little bit stronger the past couple of seasons. But with all that changing around, that kind of changes that element. But doesn't take away the fact the ability to play them at least once, maybe twice a year in basketball, which increases that rivalry there. And I do want to clarify the first win for Auburn at home versus Florida since 2000, not 1999. I thought it was 1999 myself because when I think of Mamadou Njai and Chris Porter, I think of 1999, but we have to remember that it's split between two years. 2000 is when the last home win for Auburn happened with that magical team some time ago. And I think, honestly, we talk about putting away the past. It also kind of helps bridge the two prominent times in Auburn basketball in recent history because there was not a whole lot. You can obviously take the 2003 team and have that kind of be put in that category of some success. Lebo had a good year where he made it to the NIT, but there's never been quite the amount of success that that 1999-2000 team and this era of Auburn basketball. It's just a good bridge, I think, as well as trying to put away the past. So let's talk a little bit more in depth about how historic this was for us. Not just the first win at home for Auburn against Florida. It's the first win against Florida since 2009. I mean, just the fact that we haven't beat them in that amount of time is crazy. I mean, that was in the SEC tournament. I don't even remember that win, to be honest with you, Clint. That's how, like, in a daze I was for Auburn basketball for so long. I couldn't even remember that win. But I swore to myself that we had won a game before then, and... I don't know. I mean, I guess I just had blocked out all these terrible memories of Auburn and Florida. What do you think has been the thing that separated Auburn and Florida in basketball for so long? I think there's a lot of things. It's, it's Billy Donovan and the, you know, the the dynasty that was built in Gainesville for many years just coincided with Auburn's lackluster basketball program for so long. And, you know, I was, I think it was the first SEC tournament game that I made was Lebo's last, and it was to Florida. Um, honestly, Auburn has had many really good chances to beat Florida over the years. I think it was um, maybe 2014 yep. or so down in Gainesville. Um, coach that doesn't get mentioned. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just remember Chris Denson having a chance with like five seconds to go. And Auburn never even got a chance to put the ball up. Auburn just threw the ball away. And it was just the epitome of that team and that coaching era. And it's it's just shocking that Auburn has not been able to get over this hurdle. Like you said, this this very well was one of the last hurdles to to jump and to get off Auburn's back. But I still think that there's still maybe one or two left, and including one 
in just a couple of weekends. Well, when you struggle as much as Auburn has over the past two decades, there's a lot of things to get over in the past, and I wouldn't be surprised if we run to a couple more here. The last little bits here I want to share in terms of the history. This is the first win against Florida for uh, Bruce Pearl as an Auburn head coach and the first win for against Florida in Auburn Arena. Uh, so some really cool history there, the significance of this game. But let's get a little bit deeper into this game, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the storyline that just continues to keep on giving for some reason, the return again, again, of Austin Wiley back into the lineup. A lot of people were excited about this. And honestly, Clint, we have missed him sorely because you could see the impact he makes right away. Absolutely. And he only played five minutes. You know, I think people are going to really overlook that. He had two points on a dunk and two rebounds. Um, actually had a really bad turnover early in the game where he just had the ball knocked out of his hands. Um, I think that it just goes a long way in depth and Anthony and Horace knowing that it's not entirely on you to this game. Five minutes isn't a lot. Bruce, uh, I believe, had said before the game that they expected him to play between eight and ten minutes. So we didn't get that number out of um, Austin Wiley. But I think, I mean, he's a big guy. Big guys with leg injuries are never good, and this is not his first time. I think you just got to keep easing him and don't, you know, you can't rush him onto the court. And here's the important part about this, too, is because all we heard during the five-game absence of Austin Wiley is, can Auburn win without Austin? That was the big storyline, and the question seemed to be answered with a no for the most part until the kind of back half of that five-game stretch where we finally started winning and putting things together. I think this was very smart in Coach Pearl's decision-making process. Yes, he wanted to get him about eight or ten minutes, but I think he watched the flow of the game, saw maybe – he probably saw some things in Austin that we weren't seeing in terms of maybe he shouldn't have been out there as much as he thought. I think this is the perfect way to get him slowly worked in, get the legs back under him, make him feel himself a little bit more sure on the, that injury, and then slowly starting to see – him back into that role we're used to where he's just dominating down low. And we saw a little bit of that tonight, you know, with the dunk. We saw that with a rebound or two. Just having that big body down there is something that Auburn sorely missed. And while he was in there, that impact was very, uh, felt very well here. And I want to go ahead and give a shout out tonight to uh, somebody from the uh, Auburn Discussions group on Facebook where we uh, have our in-game thread. Peter Green tonight um, is my hero because he was just screaming about how good Horace Spencer was, and he even said that Horace Spencer was Austin Wiley tonight. What did you think about Horace's play? You know, Horace is at such a disadvantage. He's such a tall guy, but he just doesn't have the the build that somebody like Austin does, and he gets pushed around quite a bit, and it's, you know, you see he's so lanky that you're just afraid he's going to get called for an elbow or fall and hurt himself one way or another. But he, he really handles himself well, and I thought he did so tonight also. And just you can't say anything else about Horace Spencer other than he's, his heart is in the game. He hustles every play. He's fighting for the ball on the court. And you know, he's just putting his teammates in such a good position now and you know it's we talk about it every game it feels like Horace Spencer now is not the Horace Spencer from last year or even his freshman year he's not gonna light up the score sheet but he's going to make an impact and you know if that's what we say each week I'm perfectly fine with it Horace will cement a legacy 
by doing what needs to be done. And here's the even more important part about that, Clint, is the fact that he is making an impact makes defenders have to focus some attention on him, opening things up for other players, especially with us, you know, supposedly living and dying by the three. They have to divert some attention down there to him because they know now he's a threat to score down there. Yes, he's lanky. He might throw an elbow and get called for an offensive foul. But more often than not, he's going to get that sweet little baby hook in there. He might uh, squeeze around you for a dunk. Uh, so I really have loved watching Horace Spencer thrive in any situation this season, but especially in the absence of Austin Wiley. Uh, it's been very nice for, to see that as well. Speaking of Wiley and the injury front, kind of had some scares tonight. I could hear the collective Auburn fandom gasp and clutch their themselves just in fear of what was uh, supposedly happening very few minutes into the game. We see Jared Harper go down with a right ankle injury and he has to go back into the locker room for a short uh, while there. And then not even a few minutes later, Chumo Kiki goes down with a right hip injury on a fall trying to get a rebound. Um, so just about as Auburn's team looked complete again, that almost got even worse there. And, I was really worried for a short little while there, Clint. Yeah, I was too. And I mean, Jared Harper limps off the court, I think, not even 90 seconds into the game. And you're just wondering, what can Auburn do without that guy? And with Austin already out and limited, and now you're losing the the motor to this team and the speed, that's going to be trouble. And then... You know, I, I'm honestly surprised that Chuma didn't smack his head on the court just the way that he fell. And I think a hip bruise is the best thing that could have come out of that. Just that was a very awkward fall. And thankfully, there was no intent on the Florida side. It was just a, you know, it was just a basketball play and it just accidentally happened. But that's not really how you want to start the game. No, and I think a lot of us kind of saw, oh, here we go again. It's just the, the problems are going to start happening again. But thankfully, they both made it back out to the court and had pretty decent games and made an impact. Uh, Okiki had 11 points. Harper only with eight, but you got to think he's the one that was probably dealing with the worst of the injury. It's really difficult, especially for the type of player that he is, being so quick and agile um, to maneuver the way he, he normally would and only gets eight points tonight. Uh, but I'm happy that we are, at least for now, injury-free, and ho hopefully they are only banged up just a little bit. And maybe we can keep this team together for just a little bit tonight. But we had other players step up tonight in the in uh, areas where there was some lacking. You, know, you saw Daniel Purifoy had some pretty good moments, Malik Dunbar, uh, Javon McCormick, and even Anthony McLemore. I think this is another good case of Auburn spreading the love in terms of contributions. You had your starters obviously filling most of the scoring roles, but again, Auburn finding ways to get everyone involved into the game, and I think that is what is helping them have so much success during this run in the SEC play. Yeah, and every single Auburn player, minus the 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 walk-ons that got in the last thirty seconds, actually scored. You know, Austin only had his two points, but he got on the score sheet. McCormick had four. Purifoy had five. Horison had six, and I thought Malik Dunbar had a really good nine points and just a lot of good hustle. And you know, you look at the the stats and the way that the game really went. It's it's surprising that Auburn only won by fourteen. It really felt that Auburn should have won by twenty or thirty and had been leading at that point any point in the game. 
And you know, I thought Auburn played really well and just great ball movement. Um, no, nobody was really acting too selfishly. And there were a lot of extra passes, which is something that we don't see a whole lot out of this team. Yeah, and I think that that was one of the things that uh, definitely contributed to the win tonight was the unselfish play that you saw from the Tigers tonight. There were a lot of opportunities for guys to do what they normally do and just jack up a three there. Instead, they made the extra pass, giving the guy a better look or even a drive to the basket. And uh, I was very impressed with what I saw out of the team play tonight for the Tigers overall. And here's the thing with this Florida team. They're still Florida. They've got great talent. They just don't know how to score. And it's surprising, as you already pointed out, that the game felt a little bit closer, even with Florida struggling to score. And in the last three games, I think Auburn's only given up at most 63 points. The big thing that stepped up for the Tigers is their defense this last couple of games here. And I think that is another reason why the success is happening and finally starting to kind of build off each other. Absolutely. And and again, Auburn wins the stats in rebounds, turnovers, and bench points and points in the paint and fast break points. Auburn didn't even allow Florida to have a single fast break point. <clears throat> That's insane. And also their success defensively, it turns into great offense. And Auburn had 14 assists on the game. Florida is a team that is top 10 in the country in not turning the ball over. Auburn forced 17 turnovers to only giving up 10. Auburn didn't allow too many points off turnovers either. Florida grabbed 22 defensive rebounds, but couldn't do anything with it. They only had six offensive rebounds as well to Auburn's 10, but only had seven second-chance points to the Tigers' 15. It was a lot of the small things that Auburn was doing so much better than Florida that really just kept the Gators out of this game. I think this is the second game in a row where we can give a lot of credit to the jungle. Uh, We already have uh, what we were talking about earlier, but I think they really got into their heads. As you said, they don't turn the ball over a lot, but they did in this game. And it seemed like in the first half, maybe every two trips down the court or or so they were having Auburn steal the ball or just giving it up to them. And that helped Auburn get out to a little bit of lead there. So I think you can definitely credit Auburn's defense, but also give a little bit of credit to the jungle for again, making it such a difficult environment for opposing teams to come in here and try to even get points, much less a win. Kentucky is the only team that's been able to do it this season thus far. Looking at some more of the team stats overall, Auburn 48% from the field. 36% 36% from three-point land. Uh, free throws, 63%. I think that is probably why we felt the game should have been a little bit further along and a little bit more in hand as some struggles in that area. Only 17 uh, makes out of 27 attempts for Auburn. But, you know, there were plenty of opportunities for Auburn to pull ahead based on free throws, and they just did not take advantage of that. And then you counter with the flip side, Clint. The team that I'm, you know, rooting against actually does what I asked my team to do, 100% from the free throw line. Granted, it's only 12 attempts, 12 for 12, but I would love one day for Auburn to have a stat line like that, 100% from the free throw line. They're gimmies. Get them. <laughs> well, another interesting aspect of that is Florida did all of that in just the second half. Florida didn't have a single free throw attempt in the first half, and it really kept Florida pretty close in this game and if they had struggled like Auburn did or 
or if Auburn had shot a lot better, again, this game's not close. No, it definitely does get a little bit further along for Auburn, and I think makes it a less interesting game. Um, however, we're very happy with the production from the team tonight and continuing the streak and trying to finally put to bed some of this bad history that Auburn has had uh, against Florida, against the SEC, against all of college basketball for that matter. It's just another uh, step in that uh, ladder heading up to more and more success for Auburn in this Bruce Pearl-led uh, program. So to do that, though, we've got to win another game, and this one is going to be tough. The next game coming up is the LSU Tigers. Now we're heading down to Baton Rouge. The game will be this this Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on ESPN2. And uh, I'm honestly, Clint, I'm a little bit worried about this one because LSU is surprising people this year. Yeah, it's it's a really good team this year. and 17 and four overall, seven and one in conference. They just suffered their one loss in SEC play to, to not a good Arkansas team. And I, I, I mean, this is the kind of LSU team that surprises you. LSU for years has either been really good or really bad. And they were really bad last year. And it looks like they're going to the tournament this season. I mean, they've, they're right along with Auburn and stats, averaging about 83, 84 points a game and shooting 45 and 47%. Steals are pretty much the exact same. Blots per game are the exact same. Auburn does have more assist and doesn't allow as many points for the opponent. So these are really two similar teams, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this one plays out. It could be a mirror image to what we just saw with this Florida game where you and I were discussing in the preview for Florida, we think the win goes to the home team. And it may be the case down in Baton Rouge as well. It is going to be very difficult. However, it is a much-needed win for Auburn. As we've been discussing at nauseum on here, Auburn has to show committees that they can win on the road, not just on the road, on the road against ranked opponents and even in conference play. I'm not saying this is a must win for Auburn because I think they'll make the tournament no matter what, as long as they at least win half their games going out. But for them to be respected, to get a pretty decent seed from now on, I think this is the game they have to have. LSU in Baton Rouge ranked. They need this one, Clint. I would agree with that. Auburn you know, did actually lose voting points this week in the polls and, you know, if the if the polls went further than twenty five, they would have dropped two two spots. Um, you know, Auburn. They were talking about it during the broadcast. Auburn is predicted to be a seven or an eight seed. That's not where this team belongs. Auburn belongs in at least a top five seed. You know, I know that they haven't played great this year, but I think they're worthy of that caliber seed. So I think you're right. Auburn, if they want to be respected. They want to get back into the top 25. You want to get a really good seed. You have to beat this LSU team. And if they get the win here, in theory, if everything plays out like we would hope it would, that would put Auburn into the top four in the SEC with the win over LSU there. And here's the other thing to think about, too. LSU is coming off of a loss this past Saturday to Arkansas, who we've already said is not that good, at least on paper. But they've also got one more game in between our game with them. And that's going to be their game coming up with Mississippi State. And that's in Starkville, in Stark Vegas there. 
and we know how tough it is to win there. So what do you think, Clint? Is it better for an LSU team to come into the Auburn game after a loss at Mississippi State or after a win? I, I don't know. I don't think you ever want an angry team coming after you. And they, they did just suffer a loss, and it really did knock them down a rung and you know, probably humbled them a good bit. So, you know, good luck to Mississippi State. They'll probably have an angry LSU team. And and at least it's on them because we've said many times over the past couple of years, Auburn hits teams at the wrong time. Auburn hits teams when they're shooting the best or when they just come off of a really bad game and they're ready to prove something. Hopefully that doesn't fall on Auburn's shoulders again this time around. Another angle to look at this as well in terms of their schedule is not only do they go to Mississippi State before our game, but right after that they're going to be going to Kentucky, who is rising in the polls, is becoming that team to beat um, in the SEC. If Tennessee weren't there, they would be the team to beat. Um, So they may get caught looking ahead to Kentucky uh, having us at home and uh, in Baton Rouge down there and maybe looking ahead just a little bit. So we can look at that both ways, and that might play in Auburn's favor. And when we look at their schedule, you know, there are non-conference performance, lots of wins. They had a close loss to a ranked FSU team. Uh, you weren't impressed with their Oklahoma State win, but they beat a ranked or they lost to a ranked Houston team. So it's very similar, I think, to Auburn's non-conference performance where they beat who they were supposed to and had a couple of impressive wins here and there. Um, So as you said already, very comparable when you look at both these, ironically, two Tiger teams together. Thinking about how we're going to win this game, Clint, what's your feeling on Austin Wiley's minutes? Because LSU's got a little bit of size. Do you think we see Austin in greater than 10 minutes in this game i do um unless he has a setback in practice this week or just doesn't wake up feeling like he can push it saturday i think you do see austin hit that 10 minute mark maybe even 12 13 14 minutes i think Auburn's going to really need to rely on him lsu always has big guys auburn can't get pushed around by him auburn gets pushed around a little bit too much being undersized and, you know, whether or not Auburn gets picked on at times, um, I, Austin Wiley is going to be a key factor in Saturday's game. And I'll take that a step further and not just him being a key factor, but uh, Anthony McLemore, Horace Spencer, the guys cannot get into foul trouble in this game. If they get into foul trouble, the LSU fans get into this game, it's going to be a long game for Auburn and we don't want that to happen because we've got a lot of momentum riding and we want to carry that on into the rest of the SEC play before we get out of here Clint let's give our contact information you can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24 where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24 and you can check out my website the Auburn Uniform Database at AuburnUniforms.com this week part 2 of a multi-week series was published really excited about it And make sure you guys come over to the Auburn Discussions page and Facebook and be part of the discussions in our in-game chats there. That's all we have for you in this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. 
If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?